2: And welcome to Let's Read Table That.
1: I'm Tracy T. Rowe. And I'm Cara Presley. How are you feeling today, Tracy? You sound successful.
2: You know what? I am successful yeah. and everyday amazing. <laughs> I am so glad to be here. We have this fantastic opportunity to talk about this wonderful episode.
1: Today's episode, Jamel Hill. Yes. Oh, oh man. wow. I love Jamel Hill. I remember when they came on a few seasons ago with Carrie Champion. She came on together. Right, so it was right. very oh, nice oh, to just hear oh, her story. Yeah. Who are you? How did you feel about it? So much to unpack. It, this episode was just
2: <laughs> sweet to me. It was just endearing, right. especially because her mom was on with her. Mm -hmm. Just think about the sweetness of that and that they were so open and so loving. You could just feel like the warmth at the table and to have Denise and Jamel and then Gammy and Mm -hmm. Willow and Jada. And, you know, it was just beautiful. It really was.
1: (laughs) What did you think? I thought it was amazing. I thought it was very touching. I thought it was successful. Again, it was just very nice to hear Jamel's story from her, oh, yeah. from her mouth. Like, yes. it's, it's, it's interesting when the book release comes out, right? Thanks to Audible, you can hear it now read in people's and voices. Their voice. So that's awesome. Yes. Right? But I love to just hear the backstory, too, mm-hmm. or hear the parts that really stuck out to them. Mm-hmm. You just feel like you're getting closer with them.
2: Yeah, I consider Jamel Hill a pure G. So the fact that she was able to come and share even more of her story now that she has her memoir out,
1: it's right. like,
2: wow, I had no idea. The biggest part of it to me, though, Carl, was that she and her mom were able to do this together.
1: I feel like everyone's journey with their mothers is completely different. Right. And like Willow, Jada, Gam, they already started to show us with their own stories. Hey, y'all. We are far from traditional and we're getting through it. How are you getting through it? So just every single week, there's another connection, another opportunity to see, hey, we're not doing it wrong. We're just doing life with each other out here. And it's it's just reminding us how our relationship is. Like, how is your relationship right now with your mother?
2: I thought about my mom a lot, seeing Jamel with her mom, Denise. And what would we do at the Red Table? How would that go for us at Mm. the Red Table? And my mom Mm -hmm. is very much a talker, but I there's something like a truth serum that happens at that red table, so Ooh. it would be interesting <laughs> to see. You right? How many people have said that? Like I don't know right. what people it is just start at this crying table. Out,
1: out the blue, right?
2: <laughs> right. Like, what happens at this table? This table has power. It would be interesting for me to see. You know how our conversation would go because we talk all right. the time, but there's something different about the table. I think that, given the opportunity, it would I be a, a
1: cathartic experience. What about you? You know, me and my mother are. I feel like our relationship's constantly evolving. I told you guys like earlier in the season how we did an event where I wanted to learn from her again. Right. And she's a florist, so she did some flower arrangements, and we did an exercise of naming that arrangement after you to right. learn how to take care of yourselves. And we're actually going to a retreat to do it again. So oh, I mean, again, we're like growing closer all the time now. On having more conversations. But through episodes like this, I realized maybe I do need to know a little bit more about your story. So, right. And you know, my mom has been battling cancer
2: for the last year and a half. And so it's amazing. <sighs> right. To see the resilience and her absolute mm-hmm. determination and grit, it's a whole nother level of respect that I have for her. She just rang the bell, and so I'm so proud of okay. her and all that she's gone through. We're That's still way. on course and we're still in the journey, but I'm just grateful that she has a warrior spirit.
1: Right, absolutely, warrior spirit. Shout out to to her, the survivor. Liz, That's my right. mom went through her issue last year as well. They caught something early, and she had Good. to go through a few rounds of radiation. So yes. she rang her bell as well, but it's like, wonderful you just still you kind of wait to see what's going to happen but just you recognize that every moment we have them is just priceless so every moment
2: Now it's time for us to share what our online Red Table Talk community has to say about this episode. We love hearing from our community. So come on, Karen. Go ahead and read what Kenya Simmons had to say.
1: To kick it off, Kenya Simmons said, When Gammy broke down, I did too, you could feel her remorse. This was a good episode. Completely Mm. agree. Just like Gammy said, it's like a a back and forth that you go through just as far as what your life entailed and the things you take your children through. It's interesting to watch them in real time give us these episodes and share their transparent feelings because you can't fake that. So shout out to Gammy for constantly being transparent with us. She keeps it 100% real. Jennifer Bauer
2: you gave us some fantastic feedback. You said, Ooh. thank you for RTT. I felt this episode in the depths of my soul. I have been working so hard, but especially for the last three and a half years, to break my family's generational curses. Oh, wow. This episode described my mother and my relationship to a T. Thank you for this with a heart emoji. Jennifer, thank you. We appreciate your comment and I'm so grateful to to hear that your and your mother's relationship is healing and going through and you're breaking those generational curses. So important.
1: Absolutely. Myra Ortiz says, man, oh man, this one hit hard trying to figure out how to talk to my baby girl about this. Oh man, how do I even start? That part of the episode where Jamel shared how she got out of her own situation because her mother had shared her situation and the fact that she knew how to fight or knew to fight the fact that she knew that this energy just wasn't right like she knew the signs yeah. it's so heartbreaking because it just shows you how quickly something could happen
2: yeah that's so true I don't know what you say to your baby girl Myra good luck to you and thank you for giving us your comment Keandra Durrell said, this episode hit hard. I have a complicated relationship with my mother due to traumas I have experienced. This helped me to see I am not alone. Thanks, RTT. Keep up the amazing work. Red heart emoji. Oh, mm, mm, mm. so many traumas. So many traumas. So many traumas. But I'm
1: glad we're at the table to figure it all out. Well, at least address it and acknowledge it. Yeah. At least start somewhere. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we're really going to dive into this interview with Jamel Hill. So stay tuned.
0: There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories. And we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now.
1: This is the part of the show where we reveal which moments made us pause, rewind, and listen again. It is time for... wait. What? Wait, what? Wait. <laughs> Wait, what? what? Our I favorite, love this segment. I love this i right? I'll kick it off. Go ahead. First of all, I loved hearing that this was Jamel's mother's first interview. Jamel and her mom have never sat down for an interview together. We are so honored that they're doing it at the table. So, Jamal, introduce us to your mom. Well, I guess um, this feels like a worldwide debut.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Everybody give me
1: my mom, Denise. Listen, Denise was so successful up there Mm -hmm. in that chair. Like, she Mm -hmm. knew what she was doing, and she did. And she carried on the conversation, and she was accountable. And she was able to share that moment with her baby girl, especially after she shared that she didn't know if her daughter needed her or she didn't know if 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 she had a... It felt like maybe a successful place in her life, but you do have a place. Your daughter does need you. And that conversation was necessary, so I enjoyed that they were able to go through this together. If you and your mom were doing an interview together, what story would you two tell, Tracy? Oh, gosh, there's so many. I can tell you, my, my <laughs> one of the first stories that
2: my mom tells people about me when she meets them and they know me and she hasn't met them, is the story when I was in the second grade. I'm confident that would be the story she tells. And it was a trauma, but it wasn't one I experienced. It was one that I tried to circumvent on behalf of someone. In the second grade, there was mm-hmm. one of my students, one of my peer students was in a swing, and a little boy came and pushed her out of the swing. And I wasn't having okay. it. I was not having okay, it. Think about second lawyer. grade, Tracy Bro, And... Mm. The little girl fell and hurt her arm. She was crying and she was being a little bit dramatic. So the first thing I did is I admonished the little boy and told him wrong. I didn't use the (laughs) word bully because we didn't know that. But I was like, you're wrong, inappropriate. Don't do that. And then I went over to the little girl and I said, and this is what my mom loves to say. I told the little girl, bear the pain and spare the tears. But now. Such wise words. Well, it, I how don't you know. get how, those wise words. Yeah, you- no, it was, they They were strong because it wasn't necessarily one that was a healing and a comforting, empathetic kind of word. But I was telling her, you got to be strong here. Stand up for yourself. But what my mom would do if we were at the table with that story, car, she would literally mm-hmm. say what she said to uh, one of my dear friends, that the little girl fell, broke her arm, her radial ulnar were out of her skin, and like I immediately triaged her and did surgery in the
1: yard. It would be <laughs> like I was a superhero. <laughs> Dramatic so I, but i understand the energy yeah if tracy's mama is like tracy because yes. it's the it's the storytelling for me and i can see you tracy i yeah. on the playground now like second that you sitting time out oh, second yes grade. it was very much on that the playground yeah
2: what about you what would be the story you and your mom would share
1: i don't know what story my mom tells when my name comes up i have no idea I don't know what that story would be. There's an opportunity there, isn't there? There is an opportunity. I would need to ask. I know my dad, before I left the government, it was my daughter works for the government. Uh-huh. It's like your, your job is their accomplishment. Right, so right, right. That right. is it. But we shall have to ask. We will have to ask Miss What, what she would was you saying. want her to say? What I want, I don't know, because I really do want to know her perspective. I don't, mm. I don't want to give her a story. That's if really she was talking interesting. About, I don't know. It immediately comes to mind as I was talkative in school. I yeah, can hear some of those th- I can only imagine the things I have forgotten yeah isn't that something well something.
2: we may have the opportunity we may have to replicate that so now do you know your mom's story
1: Cara do I know my mom's story I know pieces of my mom's story yeah and I know things that have come up situationally right like you're mm-hmm. talking to your mom randomly and you're like, mm-hmm. oh man, I'm going through XYZ, and she's like, Oh, I went through that too. Yeah. Really? Because you could have definitely shared it a little bit earlier than oh, now in right. my mind. But it's fine. As long as the stories are coming out, it's always good to hear. So has she
2: shared as deeply like Denise did with Jamel?
1: I not that I if my mom has that form of trauma, not not at all have we shared that deeply, but I feel like we've shared some deep Things Right. Mm -hmm. So as far as like the bond and and just parts of her journey as a woman, I feel like I know some of those. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 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 What about you? Do you know your mom's story?
2: I I can tell you that I do know my mom's story. Thankfully, she did not have drug abuse as part of her story, but there were some things that she shared with me that were definitely traumatic in her life. And it was Mm. really difficult for me to hear it. And it helped shape who she is and and that adversity. But her sharing it also made us closer. But it was hard to sit in it. It was hard to to process it. Some of the hardships that she encountered were being a Black woman in her Mm -hmm. time. And... It was difficult to hear, but it did help me. I can tell you that it affected my life in a way that gave me a voice. And because she had experienced those traumas, she was really, truly a pillar for me. So that when I had the opportunity to speak up and speak out, I could because I knew that she was going to back me up. And so I'm grateful for that. Another fantastic wait-what moment in this episode was Jada saying Jamel needed to experience adversity to get where she is today. Jada said...
1: And I would imagine, you correct me if I'm
2: wrong, the places that Jamel has been and what she's had to deal with, she might not have been able to do that without the level of adversity that she had as a child. Now, this is interesting to me. Mm -hmm. So I want to know from you first, do you agree or disagree with that statement?
1: You know, I want to believe that I agree with it at the same time. At the same time, a part of me is not sure if that is something that we say as Black people to justify the trials and tribulations we go through overall. Like just the end-all, be-all form of a statement. So I do believe portions of it. And I loved the part of this show where the therapist at the end says, we don't come here blank. Right, Your temperament and who you are and all of those things are in alignment and coordinate with your trials and tribulations as well to get you on the other side. So, again, like even Jada's tenacity and her sassiness could not have gotten her through gammy and a different world to play that character. Certain things are in alignment. But the statement itself, I feel like it's a little blanket-like. Oh, wow. Nonetheless, possibly true. I feel like it's blanketed, but that's me. Okay. What about you? How do you feel about this?
2: Well, okay. So I I get your point. I get your point. The key word in here for me is Mm -hmm. that they need, that they needed Mm -hmm. to have gone through it. If you had not experienced that type of adversity, maybe you wouldn't have been able to prepare yourself. What I think Mm -hmm. it is, and this may sound like a real kind of neutral response, because I think there's value in what Jada said and merit in her words, the however calm part for me is I think that it is true that all of us in the adversities that we experience can help shape us. Right. If right. we take it and use it as a tool to truly shape us, because sometimes adversity, and we see this with people, sometimes adversity will break a soul down to the mm-hmm. last compound and give them absolute helplessness and make them unable to perform and reach for their goals and that have hard. that tenacity. So, it's interesting adversity I think can be a double-edged sword. I think that it can make you hyper focused, I think it can make you hyper independent. Mm-hmm. But remember Jada also said in a previous episode that she's frozen and she's mm-hmm. unthawing, right? And I think part mm-hmm. of the unthawing is also from all of the
1: adversity. So the, the tr- having to be so cold that right. you are just frozen. This isn't right? just a still moment in time she was Cold for one day and got back to herself. So, like you said, like some of these adversities have long term effects. And yes. again, yeah. we don't come here blank, right? So your temperament definitely plays into what you can and can't handle, yeah. or or how you get through things. So yeah, it was a wait.
2: What? Because I was like, okay, that's good. But I think it also lets the mothers off the hook. I think that was a way I for them that. to say, let me give you give you a little bit of grace here and say if we hadn't gone through that we wouldn't have been able to achieve this kind of success.
1: Mm-hmm. I like that. Well, one of the other Wait Wet moments was Denise revealing that it was her idea for Jamel to seek therapy.
2: That's the point I start the book. Is that about how I started going to therapy because my mother said, I think you're angry and you just don't know you're angry and maybe you need to see somebody. I'm like, I ain't angry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Literally,
1: literally. 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 I was like, What are you talking about? So I was like, well, maybe I shall start seeing somebody just to see if this is true. What? The way to go older generation, because we do not hear that often. This was wait, what, for real? But I I think it also speaks to how Denise knew, I might have messed you up a little bit. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was really, (laughs) I was really to the left. I need you to just, just go and see and make sure. Yeah. You are straight. Do you have older family members, Tracy, who encourage therapy or who go to therapy themselves that you know Okay.
2: This is interesting. This is such a good question. So shout out Mm -hmm. to the baby boomers and the ones that came before in the great generation because Mm -hmm. therapy was not part of their vernacular, right? For Denise to be in the position to say to her daughter, you may need to get therapy I, that was a way, what for me, re- I mean, truly. And you're angry. I think you may be. Right. And, and she, was her piece of something. she was able to pinpoint it. She was able to pinpoint it. And she was like, what do you mean? I'm not angry. And so I love that. And so I, for me, I, I'm trying to think in my family, there may be a couple of people that are in that generation in my family who would consider, and maybe one other. Who has mm. actually experienced therapy. But for the rest of them, no way. Mm. No way. Okay. Because they had to okay. be tough. You had time to go talk about your feelings. had to be, t- <laughs> had How to be feel,
1: tough. How do you feel? You feel like you got a job you need to go to in the morning. It's true. Yeah. It's true. I mean, plus, they, it was the having to stop and go talk to someone. Talk to, to, to who? Or solve a problem that I had to face anyway. So. No, and
2: then in that in that generation, here's the reality, Carl. I'm not going to tell no white person my problem.
1: <laughs> that part it wasn't even us around the twos. So that's no. the other part of it. And what happens in my house stays in my house. You know, that's there's right. just a secrecy. There is a privacy that this new generation is just more open to. Right. Even, I love that. Well, wait what? Mm-hmm. Was wait what? Well, wait what? Phew. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> What did you think of this episode? Let's uh, just take it off. How- oh,
2: I cried. I cried. Oh, did you? I, I oh. cried with Gammy. I cried with Gammy. Uh, just how she got choked up. I didn't cry the entire episode. Mm, had, th- we've had some episodes where you could we? cry from beginning to end, but when Gammy got choked
1: up, I was like, "Oh, Gammy." Yeah, it's okay. I saw. I saw the daughters. I saw Jamel and Jada mm-hmm. ready to help their mothers if mm-hmm. they. Mm-hmm. Got too emotional. Mm-hmm. That's what I saw. I saw Willow trying to make sure she don't repeat any of these patterns. That's what I saw. Okay, now there's a <laughs> such a that's such a
2: valid point. I that was, part I Willow was kind of observing. Like Willow was at the feet of masters, and she said, "You know, know what? what? I'm. I know the. I know I need to be quiet right now and just take this in because there are some place. Like, major nuggets." And <laughs>
1: Right, and, like, she was welcome and open. She is just, number one, Willow's just beyond her years. Mm -hmm. Open to hearing perspectives, knowing that if I was in that, this could have been. And also, I feel like she was definitely aware that even though my mother's, like, celebrity is not a negative trauma, it is a different lifestyle that impacts me different than others and and how we can just all have different perspectives and, and experiences and ups and downs. So... It was nice to see all the transparency at the table. I enjoyed it all. The mother and daughter
2: connection in this episode, it was truly the gift. And I can tell you the other thing that made me cry, how amazingly connected Gammy and Denise were. How they were checking in with each other. Right. Let me make sure. Let me, you
1: got this. I thought right. that was phenomenal.
2: I thought that right. was phenomenal. Through
1: the okay. through Okay, like, yeah, what did you think about that? Yeah, what did you think, Car? It was like the unspoken moments. For me, right? I feel like that happens a lot in our Black language. All it takes is a look where you can look at the woman next to you and be like, "Mm mm-hmm, I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly how that felt. Right. And I think it's interesting for our culture because rarely could we speak. So now that we're allowed to have the language and use the language and share the language and the knowledge, we see how far it transcends across families. This is not just... Oh, two women with addiction who decided to come to the table today. Like, they didn't plan on their journeys being the same.
2: And it's amazing how their journeys were different, but so aligned and so much alike. Right. And that you was like, at one point, Denise said, well, did you feel this? And Gamie was like, what about this? Were you? And I just, I love that. I love that they were able to to not have any shame, to not be ashamed that you are a recovering addict and not be ashamed that you are at this table and that you had your choices affected
1: your daughter. So I'm grateful for that that part that part well it affected and, and I mean in both negative and positive ways we're talking about two uber successful women mm mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. this is not a mistake so that they part.
2: definitely put in the work oh speaking definitely. of work Kyra, you commuted <laughs> 4 hours Both ways Mm -hmm. for 10 years to crush it at your government job. How did your family support you
1: in your pursuit, in your high demand career? Shout out to the family support, man. I have my brother supporting me. I have one brother's past, but I had three brothers and three sisters. So I have a big family, but we're not close because I am the baby, right? So they support and just if I say I need it, we're going to all figure it out. So that was exciting and and nice to see. And and um, I appreciate that part of my life because it allowed my son, too, to also see, like, what I was going through to get to work. So now that he mm-hmm. has a nice little job, hallelujah, mm. he, he went how far? How much was <laughs> right. gas back then? Right. <laughs> right. But it was hours. during the entire Obama administration, so. So it was two ago, there, two back. That's a lot. That's a lot of two time. Two hours up, two hours back. Right, but it was wow. it was worth it. Shout out to them for supporting me, man. My friends, for sure, they definitely support. Yeah, me.
2: I was gonna ask you mm-hmm. how have your friends and family encouraged you as you're now making this career shift?
1: You know. Shout out to them as well because, of course, before I left the government, I was doing small side hustle jobs, man. Let me tell you, if, you're, if your friends are out there selling candles, selling journals like I was or doing stand-up comedy like I also was, please go to the show. Please go to the pop-up event. Please just – it's not even about buying. It's just about seeing somebody they know in the crowd. Right? Asking them what their prices are. Who Asking them how they're feeling and – Please know that they are probably doing this to help stay in a positive mental space, regardless of what's going on in their life. So Mm -hmm. shout out to my friends and family for helping me because they help keep me empowered. Right. And and remind me that, yes, I was making great decisions. They're continuing to help me as I shift into this. And I know they are listening to this podcast episode. So, hey, family and friends, I love Mm -hmm. y'all. Yeah. And and I'm just excited about, about where things are going. But I definitely couldn't have any of it without them. Nice. So I know I'm not the only one, right, who's working hard and doing successful things. So Tracy, how did you keep from getting imposter syndrome and work and just in life in general? How's your family have supported you on that? Oh, gosh. Oh, wow. Imposter syndrome. That, you
2: know. Have you experienced it even? Of course. Of course. I mean, if you have any measure of success, however Mm. it's measured, because it's so relative, right, that you wonder at some point. Is this right? Am I real? Because you do the fake until you make it so much that you have to say, Mm -hmm. okay, wait a second. Let me just take stock and inventory here. Let me self-assess. So yes, I have definitely felt imposter syndrome. And at work, especially because there is the balance of you got a code right. switch and balancing who I am and knowing who I am. So, mm-hmm. it has been a roller coaster ride, but now I can tell you in life in general, I knew I was that girl. Just it was <laughs> at work that you have to make sure you know your your way that and right. navigate through from a corporate environment as a black woman that's outspoken. There's a lot that can Child. be associated with that.
1: <laughs> so, and it can. And do you feel like you code switch? I definitely was one of the ones the car you see is the car you get, baby. Voice, all that. I, you know, Oh, no, ma'am. It's, oh, it's a no. level of professionalism, but no. this is moi. No no. <laughs> no, no. No, no, no. No, 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 so no.
2: Is it, I mean. I was I a cold. Know, you know. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I'm I'm much more neutral now, but I was a cold
1: switching queen. What are you talking about? Really? Oh, my gosh, Carly. Yes. I, oh, no, I've, I've definitely been a black sheep. That's why it was difficult when I moved up because I just they like you moved up acting like that. Yes. Traditionally, authentically myself. Yes, I did.
2: Well, I was, was authentically codes. Sw- and, and, you know, that's a, OK. <laughs> now you
1: brought up a good
2: point. Here's another good point. I wasn't being a false image of myself in the cold switch. It was just like right? tone. It was just filter. It's like filter on, filter off. And so that's Mm -hmm. how I envision code switching, which can often confuse people when they think about the imposter syndrome part. Am I really doing this? Is this really me? Or is this somebody that I'm playing? Like, I'm acting like this because I have this filter on. But no, I'm still very much authentically me too. I just knew that certain things would and would not be
1: received
2: well in certain I talk about this all
1: the time. This is also, and that's why I think I initially got offended by code switching at first, was I'm like... What you mean? I'm cold switching? Because in my mind, this is a survival thing. Nobody can come in at the level I was in the government and speak in the way you think I should speak at the football house on Sunday. I I just need y'all to understand that it just doesn't work that way for the level of government I was. Well, like, how did you I manage? I was still being me. Because I it's the narrative that you put in your head. So that's why I'm saying, like, I still it was just my tone that was changing. Okay, it's actually this voice I'm using right now. Okay. I just wasn't saying a whole bunch of, you know what I'm talking about? It just, the language changed. So I did, I never saw it as code switching. I saw it as surviving. Okay. Person and, and okay. But so, now okay. that I understand the, the narrative a little bit more and what that can feel like, the difference is some people will hear my change in tone and assume it's not me. So that's the part I feel like is being understood more in this day and time mm-hmm. that, yes, this can be authentically you and you can have a professional voice in a professional space. And be well, yourself. you
2: know, you talk about your voice and saying, like, how did you get to this level in the job where you were in your government position?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How, as the only Black woman in that male-dominated workplace, did you manage working there?
1: I had to be me because there were certain assumptions that preceded me that I had to constantly debunk in different ways.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: That is exhausting. Mm -hmm. That is exhausting. I have a few examples. But I literally had a snowstorm one time at work. Mm -hmm. And I told them that the power was out. I can't work. We're on the phone. I can't work. So I'll let y'all know when it's back on. Mm -hmm. The acting boss at the time called the acting director and said... I don't think the snow's as bad in her area as she thinks. I'm not sure if her cable's really out. Perfect time. What? And my director said, are you saying what I think you're saying? Like, insinuating that I'm the one lying. And at that moment, my director was like, what Cara's been saying is true. Because I was like, it's like they're picking on me. Of course, people get annoyed or they get, they get scared when you bring up the racist word in the corporate workplace. But I had to start using elementary words so y'all could hear me. I'm being picked on. Mm. I don't know what else to say to you because y'all act like y'all not understanding what I'm saying. But yeah, I had to be very authentic in who I was. And just, I had to say a lot of prayers reminding myself who I was when I walked into work. That's where that imposter syndrome as well, that piece plays a part. Speaking of being authentic and staying true to who you are, Tracy... How do you make your voice heard when you know others might have a hard time listening?
2: (laughs) I go back to what I said about the trauma my mom experienced and her not being allowed to have her voice and not being heard intentionally. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people pretend not to hear you, like accidentally on purpose didn't hear what you said. And so I experienced that. And one of the things that... Thankfully, because I went to school for communications, so there was some training behind the the method, Mm -hmm. right? But what I use, and I still use this now, is I will literally lock eyeballs with someone when they're talking. And for whatever Mm -hmm. reason, that can be intimidating to people. And it's not, it wasn't meant to be intimidating. It was meant to let you know, I am intentionally, purposefully, actively listening to you. So when you finish saying your point, I'm going to acknowledge it, affirm it, and then I'm going to say what I want to say. Mm. And then if it's glossed over, I will come back to it and I will be like a dog with a bone. And that is how for people who have had a hard time, air quotes, hearing me and listening to the words that are coming out of my mouth, I ensure that I am clear and I am articulating, and so that mm-hmm. they can process. And then, most times in the hard time listening, I will finish with a question Did you understand what I said? Or do you have any questions? So then
1: you can't act like you didn't hear me, right? Mm. It's called playing in my face. That's what you're not going to do. You're not going to act and or play in my face. You know what I said. We there's some things other. that come as a result of that because you
2: there's a firmness. First of all, my voice projects mm-hmm. out of this world anyway. And if I'm looking you in your face and in your eyeballs mm-hmm. and I'm speaking very intentionally in the Oprah kind of way, right. you know I'm talking to you. And so then it goes from yes, I heard you, but then then the supervisor has to come and have a conversation with me because you know I'm too aggressive. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> mm. Oh gosh, I think you know what? I think it's time day. for us to take a break. Okay, <laughs> so we're gonna it take a short. Like yes, we're gonna take a short break right now, and when we come back, we'll talk about what the red table didn't. Now it's time to talk about what the Red Table did not cover from Jamel Hill's book,
1: Uphill. We're going to cover the top five things. Car, you ready to get started with number five? I'm excited. I'm excited. Listen, this is why y'all need to listen to the Family Rewatch podcast and tell your friends. Yes. This is the bonus information for me. Number five. <laughs> Jamel's mom never made more than $18,000 a year when Jamel was young. So they were on and off welfare. As a result. Denise relied on the men who came in and out of her life for basic needs. Any man she dated, either casually or seriously, understood that if they wanted to spend time with her, they had to put in on something. They had to put in on the rent or utility bills. They had to put gas in her car, buy the groceries for the house, or give me a few dollars so that I could go to the corner store for treats. How might this example shape a person's view of romantic relationships? Tracy, what do you think? Wow. It could create
2: an absolute codependent mindset, right? True. Or a helplessness that I can't do this. I absolutely have to have a man. She could have very easily taken that and said, there's no point in me even trying to do anything on my own. Or... She could have taken what she experienced and said, there's a big, fat hell no. I will never rely on a man for anything. I got to do this for myself. Right?
1: Right. It's amazing.
2: You just never know which side of the coin it's going to
1: land. Facts.
2: What do you think? Facts. facts,
1: facts. I feel like it could also create a false pedestal, like something that you would put a man on if he did give you gas money or gave your child a few dollars Mm because you didn't Mm -hmm. have it. Like... Now you think maybe they're supposed to do these things, and when they don't, then they don't love you, and that's not even the case. That's hard. That's a hard example to Mm -hmm. learn. All right, number four. (laughs) Jamel
2: shared that she briefly died at age seven. She was in the backseat of a car when a driver of an oncoming vehicle hit the gas instead of the brake. Jamel's brain swelled and her skull was fractured. She remembers the lights of the other car coming toward her, then nothing for a while until she awoke in the hospital. She wrote, "'At some point, my mother held up a mirror "'to show me what i looked like. "'Half of my head was shaved. My eyes were swollen the size of lemons, and I had two black eyes. There was a deep red scar on the right side of my head, about three or four inches above my ear. (sighs) OMG. Wow, that's a lot. Died at age seven from a car accident? Not to mention the scar. And remembers, of course, because at seven, you remember. To have looked at herself had to be the most horrifying thing she had ever seen. Have you ever had an accident like that as a young kid? I was in a car accident, but I was much older. It was before seatbelts were really mandated by law. And I hit Mm. my head. And I remember you having a a knot on my forehead and just remembering, no matter what, I'm going to put my seatbelt on. That part. (laughs)
1: Black eyes, right scars. Lemons. That's a lot. That's a, I that was is an accident, lot. but it w- it wasn't all that. I tore my spleen. That's all I remember. Mm. They were trying to figure out if they were gonna do surgery, but mm-hmm. they didn't. So I still have my damaged spleen. Thank you. Spleen. Y'all need
2: to get this book because this this is amazing. <sighs>
1: get the book. It's a lot going on. All right, number three. Jamel wrote. In general, black women hate being described as angry. Ain't that the truth? If we're not in the mood to be accommodating. If we want room to be unapologetic and stand on our principles, then people view that as anger. Instead, we're really just exercising our right to avoid nonsense. Baby, she she hit that on the head. Can you share a time, Tracy? Maybe when a stereotype of an angry black woman came into play in your life, and how did you address it? <laughs> just one time. Okay. Just me... one. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Just once, work school. You, we're talking right, about. right. So the knee jerk is going to have to be. It's going to have to be work again because <laughs> some of the things that I would experience and then witness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm an advocate for people. I told you in the second grade, I was navigating through stuff on behalf of other people, so I would speak up. And when I spoke up, it was amazing how offended people were. And or hurt. Well, mm-hmm. Tracy, I felt attacked. Like, how do Ooh. you feel attacked? <laughs> how, how? And so then if I'm asking how in that same voice, then, well, now, you know, you need to watch your tone. And then if I put it in writing and I say something very clearly, then, you know, it's, well, you can't hear tone in email. And so we we need to be careful. <laughs> it's like, okay, I can't win for losing here. What do you want me to do? I can't win for losing. I mean... Yeah, so I, that angry Black woman thing is crazy. And that's why I, for the longest, I would really, really be careful about not shaking my neck because I talk with my hands, not doing a lot of gestures with my hands. And I was really careful about that because I did not want to come off and have people label me at work or anywhere as an angry Black woman.
1: Absolutely. It, I it shouldn't be like that. that. Shouldn't be like that. (laughs) I have that work story and then some. I'm actually going to give a parenting example. Because the parenting, this one kind of hit a little different. You hate to say it, but they expect you to be angry at work, right? Even though you're not angry, you're passionate. Or they're playing in your face. But in the school setting, my son had a teacher. Mm
2: -hmm. Not
1: black. Mm -hmm. And we halfway through the year. So any parent who has some child who's had Mm -hmm. some challenges. You know, after Christmas break, them teachers done. Okay? But (laughs) that's not my problem. This is your career. Anyway... She calls and it's, your son did X, Y, Z. You need to come up here right now. I don't know what's going on. This is ridiculous. This is not the first time. I mean, going off. And I said, are we on the same side? Because I haven't done anything to you. I am here to work with you. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I can't believe you're speaking to me this way. I mean, I'm not sure what she heard. Yeah. But even in my calmest of spaces, she could not hear what I was saying. The, The difference is, We are here in the same, (laughs) we're on the same side, ma'am. I'm here for you. I definitely did not send him out the door to do whatever he did this day. Something that clearly I can't even remember in this moment. Right. But that was my point. We cannot continue to communicate like this. Like we're going to be exhausted. And by then I was in therapy, in therapy with my son to where the therapist told us, you're going to be exhausted if you're going to try to keep up with this one. My son wow. has been above and beyond for a while, bless his heart. But the point is, we have to at some point operate as adults. We can't be in the emotional state that these children can take us into. Right. And when you are choosing to ignore certain facets of a person, you will only see your assumptions. And she just assumed I was being angry.
2: It's so amazing. Yes. She was. She called you to try to address it, and then it became an issue with you instead of the original issue. Wow. Number two, Jamel Hill was suspended for two weeks without pay, Mm. not even 24 hours after she commented on a tweet surrounding Colin Kaepernick's silent protest where he took a knee during the national anthem. I know y'all remember this. She said that the only way the Cowboys would take disgruntled fans seriously is if the fans staged a boycott against their advertisers. When this first happened, I was proud. I was proud of him. Okay. I was proud of him. And all of that made me love Jamel. I liked her. I had respect mm-hmm. for her as a journalist. I thought she was authentic. She represented Black women so wonderfully. But when she stood on the hill and said, <laughs> I agree. And yes, 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 and yes. I was right there with her. 100%. What did you think?
1: I'm um, honest. This is full transparency. I didn't have any thoughts at first. That's why I actually appreciate people like Jamel. Because mm-hmm. when I do choose to pay attention and something does catch my attention. I want to be super informed as much as I can because mm-hmm. I haven't been following along. I haven't seen mm-hmm. it in real time. I probably completely missed it. So I definitely appreciated her stance and her perspective mm-hmm. as a black woman and what we go through and what we're actually paying attention to. Some people were paying attention to the actual sport and maybe the pay, and and I was paying attention to that social injustice piece. Like, okay, what is he saying? What does he want? And And to have Jamel not actually be supported, which goes into our last Uh, moments, that was even more so hurtful. So let's talk about this. The number one moment that the table did not talk about, Jamel's suspension still wasn't the tipping point for her to eventually decide to leave ESPN. After a tweet from Trump where he said, With Jamel Hill at the mic, it is no wonder ESPN ratings have tanked. In fact, tanked so badly, it is the talk of the industry. Jamel said... I didn't care what Trump thought of me. I already thought so little of him. Trump didn't hurt me, but ESPN's lack of response did. A government official had come after one of its employees, and it did nothing. It was then that I realized my time at ESPN had come to an end. So sad. And I can fully, fully relate. Okay, tell me, tell me. (sighs) All right. So I had already been feeling a lack of like passion in my government career before I left. And I was a training analyst. Some of you guys know this. Clearly, I like to talk. But a situation happened right before I decided to leave. I had actually been promoted to the highest level of the government that I wanted Mm -hmm. to be in. I was a public Mm -hmm. affairs specialist. Mm -hmm. And um, even after the promotion, they decided to, number one, give the job to someone else. What? In front of my face. Oh, I know, right? After, no. after I had been on a certain certain detail, they decided we're going to give this to someone else. And when I wanted to address another situation that came up, yeah, they said, we're not sure what you should do. Like, I didn't feel supported. And in those spaces, even after addressing my manager directly, after talking to certain other managers, after talking across to coworkers, certain things happen and you just realize, I'm not supported here. Yeah, This must be the end of my journey, specifically the position Mm. situation. Mm-hmm. There was a, mm-hmm. a position situation. And I, I don't think I've ever told anybody this part of the story, but my manager at the time had previously apologized. I want to say it was about five years prior, before she became my manager, apologized for throwing me under the bus because she knew that other people were doing it, so she thought she should too. Oh, my she recognized gosh. that my work ethic was actually better, uh, and she shouldn't have followed the other people who tried to throw me under the bus because, of course, they then threw her under the bus. So oh, after she apologized, no. like, again, and this is the hard place of being in the only black person in spaces. There's no place for me to go in HR and say hey this co-worker came and told me this private thing because they were actually bullying me so they admitted to bullying me. And oh
2: my gosh. That's so There's no awful place car. for those things. Yeah, but, but
1: was it awful? Because I'm actually Living in my dream, I like I did my okay, work. So, you know what So I mean? you go,
2: you go back to the adversity helped you get. To I where appreciate you are the now. adversity. Okay, all right, you probably full circle. The and for Jamel Hill to be attacked by the president of the United States as an individual an... and an American, it was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Okay, that part. I, there's, there's That's just. That's the part. We could have a whole nother episode on that, but we won't. Because instead. What we're going to do is realize that there are so many more moments we could discuss,
1: but but
2: it is time, Cara, for us to bid our wonderful listeners adieu. Mm-hmm. that's it it's time to close the
1: show and thank y'all so much for supporting though in the meantime
2: always love love listening love to, to our
1: stories and our life mm-hmm. keep it coming <laughs> right thank you so much for listening thank you so much for sitting in at this virtual red table we love you we love you we want to know how you're feeling about this new season of Red Table Talk, too. We're open to talk about any and everything with you all. So please send in your questions at Let's Red Table That at RedTableTalk.com. Or leave us a voicemail at SpeakPipe.com slash Let's Red Table That.
2: Yes, thank you so much for listening and make sure you subscribe on iHeartRadio app and please rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. We'll be back next week for another episode of Let's Red Table That.
1: Special thanks to executive producers Jada Pinkett-Smith, Fallon Jethro and Ellen Racketton. Thank you to our producer, Kyla Keneiru and our associate producer Yolanda Chow And a big thanks to our sound engineer Stephanie Aguilar Yay! Let's red
2: table that Let's red table
1: that
0: From BBC Radio 4 Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip
2: Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
0: You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new?